Hi everyone, Andrew Sampson from Ross Video here again. And in today's tutorial, we're going to go over some sequencer basics. Um, specifically, creating and editing take items, controlling the sequencer, and controlling layers and channels from the sequencer. So to start off with, um, the sequencer interface is where we actually control playback from expression. So there's two sides to the application. You have layout and you have sequence. Sequence is where we actually control playback. We essentially create a playlist, although it does not have to be operated in a linear fashion. What the sequencer contains are what are called take items. So take items are essentially copies of scenes. So as we move through the sequencer, we're effectively playing out copies of our original scenes. So these are your templates that you're going to be playing back from. Each item in your uh, scene manager can be added to the sequencer as many times as you want. And to create different variations, you can edit um, the items within the sequencer based on whatever template data has been exposed. Now, in a previous tutorial, we talked about template linking and publishing objects. So I recommend that you watch that tutorial before diving into the uh, sequence tutorial uh, if you're not familiar with those concepts. But what we're going to do in today's tutorial is talk about how we actually operate the sequencer. So um, very, very basic um, starting point. How do we get scenes into our sequencer? Well, to start off with, um, you can very simply drag and drop a scene into your sequence. So for instance, if I want to take my text transition and drop it into my sequencer, I can select that scene and drag it into the sequencer. Now what that creates is what's called a take item. So we now see an item in the sequencer. It's given a default ID, which we can adjust. Um, so its default ID right now is 34. It's referencing a scene called text trans. So that's the actual scene name. That default ID is based off of the scene's template ID. So every scene that you create has a template ID. This is editable. So when you actually build the scene in layout mode, we actually have the option to adjust the ID. So if you change that ID, the default take ID will reflect that. So if I were to change this ID to 100, and then I move back to sequence, and I drop this scene into my sequencer, its default take ID will be 100. Each additional instance of that graphic in my sequencer will increment off of that ID. So now my next version of the text trans is 101. The previous version was 100. We'll come back to these take IDs a little later on. So these take items in your sequencer to navigate up and down through the sequencer, you can just use the arrow keys on your keyboard. So I'm just moving um, the arrows up and down to navigate through the sequencer. Some basic playback controls. If you want to take an item on air um, and basically load it onto one of your channels, you can hit the enter key on the number pad specifically. So this is all done from the number pad on the keyboard. So if I navigate to item 101, which is text trans, and I hit enter on the number pad, it'll take that item online and we'll see it playing back on frame buffer one, which on my system is a virtual output. So that's frame buffer one. Now, why did it play back on frame buffer one? That's because this take item is assigned to frame buffer one. So within the actual take item uh, information, these columns indicate all of the information that pertains to this particular take item. If we look at the column uh, labeled output, you'll see frame buffer one, frame buffer one, frame buffer one. That indicates what channel it's going to play on. 
you'll also see what layer that item is going to play on. So what does layering achieve for us? Well, every channel on expression has an infinite number of layers that you can play items on. So for example, I can take an item like my bug and we'll drop that into, a, into our sequence. It gets assigned a default ID. Its frame buffer assignment is one, its layer assignment is two. So let's go ahead and take the bug online. So again, I'm gonna hit enter on our number pad. That will take the bug online. It's currently playing on layer two on frame buffer one. Now with layering, we can have multiple items playing back simultaneously on the same channel simply by assigning those items different layers. So if I go and take my uh, over-the-shoulder graphic and assign it to a different layer on the output. So I'll take my over-the-shoulder, we'll drop that into our sequencer. <clears throat> it's assigned to layer zero. Layer zero, in terms of our layer hierarchy, is behind layer two. So if I take the over-the-shoulder and play that back on layer two, or on layer zero, I should say, the bug is on layer two. Now the OTS is gonna come online on layer zero. You'll see how these graphics stack up with one another. So now my over-the-shoulder's on zero, the bug is on two. We see both of those templates simultaneously on the same output channel. These layer assignments can be adjusted. So every item within the uh, sequencer, you can go to these fields and you can adjust the layer assignment simply by clicking on that field. You can adjust what a layer it's assigned to. You can also adjust what frame buffer it's assigned to. So if I take the OTS and assign that to frame buffer two, it will now play back in a different virtual output. So now we have channel two loaded, and if I take the bug and play it on frame buffer one, it plays back on channel one. Now on my system, because I'm not connected to any physical outputs, any, any actual SDI outputs, um, we're playing back on these virtual outputs. But if frame buffers one and two were occupied by, let's say our Matrox XMIO2 card that comes in our turnkey chassis, or if this was a uh, chassis that the customer built and they were using a black magic card or an Azure frame buffer board um, they'd be playing back on those devices based on their assignments in our hardware setup so there's channel two channel one all right so I'll minimize these you can also navigate through your sequencer by using what's called the take next uh, command and to operate that way, you're going to use the plus key on your number pad. So by hitting the plus key, what actually happens here is we take the currently selected item, so the current item in focus in our sequencer, that's the item that's highlighted right now. If I hit the plus key, it's going to take that item online and then advance my sequence to the next item in the sequence. And what that's doing for us is it's effectively advancing preview. So if I take this item on air, I'm taking 100 on air, and now I'm previewing 101. If I take 101 on air, I'm now previewing 3. If I take 3 on air, I'm now previewing 9 by using the take next command. Alternatively, you can take an item online and then advance to whatever item in the sequencer you like to select your next item for preview by using the arrow keys. So you don't necessarily have to operate in a linear fashion. I could take number nine online and then move to whatever sequence item I wish. And that's the current item that we have in preview. And if we were to take it online by hitting the enter key, it will be the next item that goes on air.
to clear items that are currently playing on a specific frame buffer or a specific frame buffer layer. If I have the over the shoulder online on frame buffer two, and I want to clear just that one item, I can navigate to it in the sequencer and hit the minus key again on the number pad. So you're going to want to hit the minus key that will remove that item from that channel. Now in a situation where you have multiple layers online, so let's introduce another graphic into the mix. We're going to take our lower third and we're going to drop it into our sequencer. So now I have the lower third playing on channel one. And I'm also going to assign my over the shoulder to channel one as well. We're going to assign that to frame buffer one. And we're going to put it on a layer that differs from the lower third. So we're going to put the over the shoulder on negative one. So now we have our over the shoulder and our lower third playing simultaneously on channel one. If I just want to remove the lower third, I can just advance the sequence to that lower third item, hit the minus key, and that will only clear that one specific graphic. So very important to remember that. The minus key just clears the item that you have selected in the sequencer. If I have multiple items online on a single channel, and I want to clear everything on that specific channel, there's a few ways you can do this. You can hit Control F1. So I'm going to hit the Control key and F1, and that will clear everything on frame buffer 1. All layers on frame buffer 1 get cleared simultaneously. The other option, if I have items playing back on frame buffer 1, multiple layers, Let's say I also have items populated on my second channel. So let's go and find a graphic. We'll bring in our full screen list. We're going to assign that to frame buffer two, which it already is. So we'll take that online. So now I have a full screen playing on frame buffer two. I have a lower third and an over the shoulder playing on channel one. If I want to clear all of those channels simultaneously, I can double press the escape key and that clears all of my frame buffers simultaneously, all layers, all frame buffers simultaneously. So if you just need to clear everything off your channels, that's the way to do it. Also, depending on how specific templates are built, this lower third is a good example. The lower third actually has pause points built into it. So if I take my lower third online, it'll animate on, and then the state of that graphic will change to a paused state. When in a pause state, that's indicating to us that this graphic has another stage to its animation that we can advance to. So as an operator, if I want to advance to this next stage of this animation, which in the case of my lower third is the animation off, I just need to hit the enter key again, and that'll resume this graphic from its current pause state, and it will animate off. For a template that has a few more options to it, let's say for instance, we bring in our full screen list and I animate this template on air. The pauses are actually controlling what lines of text we see on this graphic. So each line has a pause that we can trigger to reveal the next line. So if we wanted to follow an anchor's read, for instance, um, we just hit the enter key to resume to our next bullet and that'll bring on the next bullet. Hit enter again, resume to the next bullet, enter again, resume to the next bullet and so on until we advance through all of the pauses contained on this template, and then we can take it offline. So a lot of these controls have multiple purposes, as you can see. The enter key will take items online, it'll also resume pauses. So will the plus key. And this is actually a cool feature, 
if I use the plus key to take an item online that has multiple uh, stages to the animation, so it's going to hold on a pause, expression knows that that scene has multiple stages to the animation. Normally, the plus key will take an item online and then automatically advance preview to the next item in our sequence. But because this item has multiple stages to the animation, expression realizes that and doesn't allow us to advance until we've moved through the next stage of the animation. So you'll notice, I'll do this again just for demonstration purposes, and I will hit plus on the lower third. It'll take that item online. And now it's waiting for me to resume it again. I'm going to hit the plus key again. And because I've now advanced past the pause in this animation, expression then knows that it's OK to advance preview to the next item in the sequencer. So there's some intelligence built in there when we're operating. Other ways you can operate your sequencer. Um, on a lot of other CGs, the traditional method of operation is by ID. So you'll recall items by their ID numbers. So there's an option at the top of the sequencer called Fast Recall. That can be enabled by hitting the scroll lock key. So if you hit scroll lock on the keyboard, that enables Fast Recall mode. What Fast Recall mode does for us is it allows us to recall items in our sequencer by their numeric take IDs. So if I want to recall item 101, I can type in 101, and then I can advance to that item in my sequencer and take it online. Or I can just simply hit 34 and then the take key, and that'll take item 34 online. There's two ways that this can work. Um, a preference in our system, if you navigate to the edit menu and you go to preferences, you'll see an option in the sequencer menu. So navigate down the preferences list, select sequencer. There's an option here for disable fast recall input timeout. Now what does that do for us? I'm, gonna, I'm going to disable this option. So we're going to turn off this checkbox. So now we're actually working with the fast recall input timeout. What that does is preview will we will advance to the item in sequencer for preview automatically. So you have a certain amount of time to input numbers before expression is effectively times out and will advance to whatever number you've typed in. So this is very much a user preference. But in this scenario, if I type in 101, it'll move the sequencer to 101 and will preview 101. And then I can take 101 on air. When the fast recall input timeout is enabled, because you have a limited amount of time to input this number, if I type too slowly, so if I want to get to number five, well, number five is probably a bad example. Let's use something with multiple digits. So I want to get to my FS list. That's 21. So I'm going to slowly type. And you'll see as you input numbers in your keypad, you'll see the numbers actually uh, displayed here. So I'm going to go two and, oh, it timed out. I wanted to type in 21, but it wouldn't let me. It timed out before I had the, op before I had the opportunity to type in the additional digit. So you have to be quick enough. So if I go 21, it'll now move to 21. If you want to have as much time as you would like to advance to an item or to type in that item's ID, you have to enable in the preferences the option to disable fast recall input timeout. So I'm going to turn that on and now we're going to see what the difference is. I have as much time as I want now to type in a number. So I can navigate to 101 and I'm going to start typing in that ID. So 101. There's no timeout whatsoever. 
it waits for me as long as it takes for me to type in my ID. But the disadvantage here is preview will not advance or the focus bar in our sequencer will not advance to that item until we give an additional keystroke. So this is very similar to the read command that you'd see on a lot of other CGs. Uh, basically, I want to type in my number, now I want to read it to preview. So in order to do that, you have to hit the star key on the keyboard. So if we hit the star key, it now moves the focus bar to whatever ID I've, I've typed in. So if I want to get to my full screen list, 21 read or star key, now I can hit the enter key and take that item online. So there's a few ways you can configure this to work depending on what your preference is, um, just to make things easier. Uh, make them more familiar to you if you're coming from another platform. The next thing we're going to cover in uh, the sequence interface is how to insert take items. Now, you saw how I could drag and drop an item into the sequencer by just selecting the scene thumbnail and dragging it in. Now, for operators that are more familiar with working solely with the keyboard and do not want to navigate in our sequencer using the mouse, um, there are keyboard controls for accomplishing pretty much every function. So, for instance, if I want to insert a specific scene into my sequencer without using the mouse, I can use the insert command. This is where the IDs of your scenes become very important. So if I want to insert template, uh, let's see, let's pick one here. So template 20, I want to insert that template into my sequence without using the mouse, I can hit the control I key combination, so hit control I, that'll bring up the insert option. So when the insert new take item window comes up, there's two fields. You have template scene ID and new take item ID. And what this allows you to do is call up whatever scene ID you'd like. So if I want to call up 22, it'll show me scene 22. If I want to call up 21, just erase that 21, it shows me scene 21. Um, you get the idea. Now we're going to hit the tab key to advance to the next field. Now I'm going to assign it to its take item ID. I don't necessarily want the take item ID in my sequencer to reflect the actual scene ID. I could file this item into my sequencer at any ID I want. So let's say I want scene ID 21 to be entered into my sequencer at take item ID 5000. I can type in 5000, hit enter, and it will insert a take item called 5000 into my sequencer. And now I can take that item on air. And just as we were uh, doing before, if I'm not on item 5000, meaning that I don't have item 5000 in focus, and I want to navigate to that using the numeric keypad on my keyboard, I can hit 5000, then the star key will advance preview, and then I can take that item online by hitting the enter key. A few more topics to cover. Organizing your sequence. There's really no right or wrong way to do this, although there are some benefits to doing things certain ways. It all depends on your production and what your needs are in the control room. But the sequencer is separated into groups. So in my sequence, I have group one. I can create another group by right-clicking and selecting new group or by using the keyboard shortcut Control-Alt-G, which will insert a new group into my sequence. Once I insert that new group, if I want to insert a scene into it, I can hit Control-I, select my 
template ID, which in this case will be 20. So let's select 20. I'm going to file that at ID 2000. And there it is. Or we can drag and drop up to you. These sequence groups can be collapsed. So as you move through your show, maybe this is block one. So let's label this group. Let's call it block one. And this is block two. So after I finish with block one, if I don't want to see those sequence items anymore, I can actually just collapse that group. And once I finish with block two, I can collapse that group. They can always be reopened. Just a way to stay organized as you're moving through your show. There's no limit to how many groups you can have in your sequencer. So you can make as many as you like. I can just keep adding groups into my sequencer as needed. Another handy feature is items inside your sequence can be colorized. So to easily identify items in your sequence, you can apply a color, um, which will make things easier to identify. So if I right click on this item, I can select color and then I can assign it a color. And now if we navigate away from it, you'll see that that specific take item is now orange. You can also colorize whole groups. So if I select the group itself, right click color and assign a color to the whole group, it will colorize the entire group except for items that I've given unique colors. So item three, which is my bug, because I gave that a unique color of orange for that specific take item, it remains orange. If I want it to be red, I can right click and colorize it red. And this goes for any group. So block one, we'll make it red. Block two, we will colorize it blue. Okay. Also, every item in your sequencer can be moved. So if you want to change the order, you want to um, shuffle the deck, so to speak. I want to take graphics and, and shift their order. I can take individual items and just drag them inside the sequencer to shift their order. Or you can take entire groups and move them. So if I want to take block one and place it at the very bottom of my sequence for whatever reason, now block one is the last group in my sequencer. These can always be moved. Um, the order of your take items can always be adjusted on the fly. The last thing we're going to cover in this tutorial is how to update template data in your sequence items. So depending on how the template's built, and again, we cover this in the tutorial where we talk about public object publishing and template links. Depending on how the template's built, there may or may not be fields for you to, to edit in that particular template. Now that's all done via the template data tab inside what's called the take inspector window, which is at the bottom of the sequencer. All of these windows you can scale, you can adjust size. So if you want to have a larger preview, you can just scale the preview window. We'll automatically adjust the resolution as needed. So for instance, if I want to adjust this lower third, I simply have to select it in my sequence. So I have that item in focus. Now in the template data, I see all of the adjustable fields in that graphic. Some of these are fields that we can type text into and you'll see that text appear on screen. Some of these fields we're using as control fields to change different parameters in the template. So this is a bit more of advanced functionality from a template creation side and we'll cover this in a later tutorial. But if you're looking at the first field in this lower third, you'll see an option that says flags. And if we expand this, Zero equals none, one equals breaking, and two equals live. So if I change this value from one to two, we actually get a live flag. If I change it to one, we get a breaking news flag. And if I change it to zero, we have no flags. 
Below that, I have all of my text fields, which I can edit in this template as well. So I can go to the name, I can go to the Ross NewsHour label, I can go to the Live on Location label, I can change all of those fields. Again, this template's been built with a little bit of logic so that as we remove text from this template, the template itself will actually adjust its look. So if I remove the third line of text, it actually changes to a two-line configuration. And now I can navigate to Ross NewsHour, and you can type in whatever text you want. It's totally editable. And we could also navigate to the flags area, and let's make this a breaking news flag. Or excuse me, let's make this a live flag. So let's change that to two. And now we have a live flag. Let's go ahead and take this item online. So now I have a two-line lower third with a live flag. Now I want to make another version of my lower third. I don't need to drag that template into my sequencer again. I can just make a copy off of this existing take item. So if we look at item 5, it's already highlighted, it's already in focus. I'm just going to hit copy paste. So control C, control V. It now creates another item in my sequencer where I can edit the text again. So let's navigate through the te uh, template fields or the published fields in this template. And just so you know, I'm navigating through these template fields or these published fields by hitting control and page up and page down. So control page up, control page down, advances you through the fields and also highlights the text so that we don't have to erase it and start typing. It just highlights the text and you can instantly start replacing. So I can go up to the name and we could type in a new name. And now we have another lower third. And if I navigate to the lower, the third line and add text there. It'll change to a three-line configuration. Let's navigate to the flags area, change it to a one. Now it's breaking news. So now I have a three-line lower third with a breaking news flag and a two-line lower third with a live flag. All from the same template, all modified via the sequencer. Now we can also replace images or video clips or any kind of graphic content from the sequencer interface as well. So let's go back to our over-the-shoulder. Our over-the-shoulder template is ID number 9. So we're going to navigate to the bottom of our sequence. I'm going to hit Control-I. I'm going to select ID 9. I'm going to assign it a take ID of 4,000 and add that to my sequencer. So now I have an over-the-shoulder. This over-the-shoulder has an editable text field where I can type in new text. It also has an editable image field where I can replace the image the graphical content on this over the shoulder. So I have a few options here. I can navigate to materials. So once we select the OTS image, there's a tab labeled materials. If you've watched the materials tutorial, you'll know what we're talking about. If you have not, I recommend you watch the materials tutorial. But a material is an asset that belongs specifically to this project. It's a pre-composited asset. So it could just be a solid color. It could be a picture. But essentially, it's a pre-built asset within our project file. So we could pop in a different material if needed. We could also navigate to image files and just select an image off disk. So I could go and select this picture of the space shuttle, just double click, and that'll pop that into my over the shoulder. And you'll see our preview update with that new image. Again, depending on how the template is created, you may want to be able to adjust the size and position of the image within that placeholder. So you can also expose options in the template creation process like texture position and texture scale. So if I navigate to texture position, I can adjust the X and Y position of the texture, which will change its position inside the template. 
I can also go and adjust the scale, which will adjust its scale inside the template. That looks great. Perfect. Let's take a tear. So there's our new over the shoulder. And again, it's the same process. I want to make another over the shoulder, simply copy paste. I have another over the shoulder created, which I can assign a different image to. So let's pop in this image, make whatever adjustments you want to create. Earthquake. And now we have another over the shoulder with our earthquake image and the appropriate text. And we have our original with the space shuttle and its text. One more thing I want to cover, and it probably would have been a good idea to cover this a little earlier, but we'll, we'll get you up to speed here at the end. Um, it may or may not have been apparent throughout the tutorial, but all of these items, all of these take IDs are changeable after the fact as well. So you've seen me assign take IDs as I've been creating take items. You can also change take IDs on the fly. So if for whatever reason you decide you want to renumber a graphic, you can just click on the take ID field, type in whatever number you want. Alternatively, you can just put the item in focus, hit control R, which is the renumber command, and that'll allow you to renumber that item. So I could type in, you know, 6,000. And now that item has been renumbered at 6,000. And the other option is you can actually highlight whole groups of items in your sequencer. This is a very, very cool feature. If I hold down the shift key, and then push down with the arrow key, I can select multiple items simultaneously, like this. So I have all of these items selected. Now I want to renumber them all within a specific range. So I'll hit Control R. And really all we have to do, if you read this label carefully, it says renumber selected take items starting from ID what? So you pick your ID. Let's call it item ID 8000. We'll click OK. Now every item within my selected range will renumber starting at 8,000. So I have 8,000, 8,001, 8,002, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So I've renumbered all of those items simultaneously starting with a specific range. All right. Now there's more to learn about the sequencer. We're going to cover it in a later tutorial, but these are the basics to get you started. Some basic playback controls, basic template editing controls. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and have fun with it. So until next time, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.